Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Pushkin. After getting a super official autism diagnosis and mainlining a bunch of books and movies and social media about autism, and then having a few meltdowns and getting really frustrated, I decided it was time to do some revealing. And when I started thinking about telling people, there was this one thing I kept coming back to, a thing that kind of gave me hope that it would all be okay. A million years ago, back before the world melted down in several different ways, I submitted a little audio story to a contest. The prompt for the contest was the five tastes. Sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami. Basically, food stories. Because I don't like a great many foods and don't really come from a foodie family, I didn't have many ready-made stories to tell. My food tales mostly consist of me not liking something, me hating something, or me gagging at the very sight of something. As my mom, Kathy, explained in my little piece. Roll tape. You were very picky. You couldn't stand anything that was chunky. You would dig through any sauce to find a mushroom and push it to the edge of your plate because you didn't like the texture. You were really funny about Not a lot to work with. So in the spirit of writing what you know, my contest entry was about how much I can't stand potlucks. Potlucks are full of dishes that feature ingredients I have no interest in putting in my mouth. Because... I simply cannot eat certain foods. Some I can't even look at. I don't like peppers, eggplant, zucchini, summer squash, okra, artichokes, capers, caper berries, figs, peaches, plums, nectarines, mango, papaya, guava, no way, cantaloupe, cilantro, dill, arugula, the mescaline mix that looks like weeds, almonds, walnuts. My friends can't get over how much I will not eat. For some, my pickiness defies belief. 
Like, how can you not eat cherries, blueberries, raspberries? What's wrong with you? One pal was particularly tickled by the list in my little potluck slam piece. Because you were like, oh, I have a few food phobias. And I thought like, you know, I've met a few people in my life who have a few things they don't eat. And then you whip out an entire like podcast about it. And then the list is like longer. I was like, and then that, and then that, and then I can't do that. And then I I was like, wait, what? This is like an encyclopedia of shit you can't eat. What is going on? My friend Carter is known for throwing great dinner parties. And I swear that every time I've been invited to one, he's made me trot out the list of foods I don't like. As a good Southern boy, Carter grew up eating what his mama made him. So my epic list of do-not-eats was a curiosity to him. He teased me about it endlessly, but in a good-natured, gay-sibling kind of way. What neither Carter nor I knew at the time was that my food issues were an autistic trait, part of my suite of sensory issues. I just thought my food issues could be chalked up to my general weirdness and the choppy way I moved through the world. So did Carter— Neither of us had a clue they were part of a larger condition. But then I figured it out, and I told Carter the reason behind my finickiness. I mean, I know enough about autism and the spectrum to have responded at the time you told me about your food sensitivities. Like, in hindsight, um, I didn't even connect the dots of like, oh, this could be neurodivergence in a way that I need to like not... Like, I'm glad you experienced it as, like, positive ribbing, but I I apologize that I did not receive it as, like, hey. please don't. No, I mean, look, like, I didn't know, but also I feel like I I connect with people through teasing. That's, like, a language that I understand, and it's an intimacy that I can connect with. If you know me, you know I love to tease, and I love finding the levity in hard things— After my diagnosis, when I started thinking about telling my friends and family, I kept coming back to my finickiness and this silly audio story and how Carter always razzed me about it. Even though he teased me, it made me feel seen in a weird sideways kind of way. And it allowed him to see me as well. I love vulnerability. I love it when people are willing to say, like, what's really going on? And you sharing, like, here's this quirky, strange thing about me was like another thing on a long list of of vulnerabilities that I felt like you compared to others like were willing to share, which deepened the closeness I felt with you. Carter's reaction to something I felt pretty self-conscious about growing up gave me hope that revealing my truth would go roughly the same way. I would tell the rest of my friends about my diagnosis, and, like Carter, we would laugh about how particular and fastidious and strange I am. We would joke about how spectrumy I was being if I was unintentionally rude or extremely late to dinner. And naturally, my neurodivergence would just be accepted and maybe even embraced, and everything would be chill. Now, I'm going to give you one guess as to whether things turned out like that. Go ahead. I'll wait. You're listening to The Loudest Girl in the World, who is not the chatty nurse drawing your blood in the phlebotomy lab. It's me, Lauren Ober. The Loudest Girl in the World is a show about finding yourself broken in a pretty dark place and emerging from that place a mostly glued-back-together person. 
One thing I didn't anticipate when I was trundling down the diagnosis path was the fact that if I was indeed autistic, I would have to tell people. I would have to come out a second time. When I first came out, way back before being gay was cool, it didn't exactly go smoothly. I'm not going to recount how clumsily I handled the whole process back then. That's boring. But I will tell you that when I told one family member I was gay, I followed it up with something like, oh, but don't worry, I'm not going to be an activist or like waving the rainbow flag or cutting my hair short. LOL, she says, as a person who has sported a great many short undercuts. It took me years to be comfortable in my own skin as a non-heterosexual person. But that was in my 20s. Now I was in my 40s and facing down the prospect of having to do it all over again. But about autism. The difference, though, is that everyone knows what it means when you say you're gay. People might not like that you're gay, but there's no question about what you're conveying. Autism is tougher to put your finger on. I mentioned in the previous episode, the definition of autism is kind of squirrely. If you ask 10 people what autism is, you'll likely get 10 different responses. Which means that if you want to invite people into your reality, if you want to build that intimacy, you're going to have to do some educating. But how could I educate people when I barely understood any of this myself? I figured I needed to call in the big guns. My friend Anna Sale is a podcast host, a crack interviewer, and a person who laughs at all of my dumb jokes. But for our purposes, she's the author of the book, Let's Talk About Hard Things. Now, when I think about what I want to do in my free time, talking about hard things isn't high on the list. But Anna's the host of the show Death, Sex, and Money, so all she does is talk about hard stuff. I figured she'd be the perfect person to help me come up with a strategy for telling people about my diagnosis, particularly my immediate family, who I was nervous as hell to tell. But first, I had to tell Anna. So I called her up on Zoom, and after rambling for a good 10 minutes, I got into it. I value your time, Anna, and I don't mean to fill your brain with nonsense right now because we have business to attend to. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, Lauren, what I'm doing with you. You see this? I held up a copy of Anna's book, Let's Talk About Hard Things, to the camera. I do. (laughs) See this book? I do. I read this book. Oh, you read it? And it made me scared. Oh, To both have this conversation with you. And also to have the conversation that I need to have. I was like, I don't think I'm emotionally able to do any of this stuff. But in the spirit of your book, uh, and to prove to you that I both read it and took lessons from it, I want to preface our conversation by telling you that this is a conversation both about a hard thing and how to talk about a hard thing. Mm -hmm. In her book, Anna suggests that you have to lay the foundation for a hard conversation by telling people what to expect. You can't just sandbag them. I'm going to tell you a thing, and the second is, I need your help. Okay. Did I do a good job there? You did a great job. Thank you. I actually think you did rule number one of starting a hard conversation, helping the other person feel oriented so they don't feel ambushed. So now I feel more comfortable to have this conversation with you because you've, like, let me in a little bit. Okay. 
So I should probably tell you the hard thing. Okay. Okay. And I already prefaced it and I already told you that I was going to tell you the hard thing. So here's the situation. In 20 <laughs> I already screwed up. <laughs> In November 2020, I was diagnosed with autism. Uh which was something that I had been thinking about for a long time. And then in the pandemic, everything basically fell to pieces. Like all of my support structures, like everything that I would do to sort of keep my life like reasonably buoyant um, and all of that kind of went to shit. But the point that I'm trying to tell you is that uh, apparently I'm autistic according to science and I have a hard time uh, conveying that to people now. Okay. That's where you start talking because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to continue. Even though I just started continuing talking, I know this trick. Um, well, I'm taking in this information. I mean, and and it's interesting because you just told me the hard thing, so I mm-hmm. can like, I can tell you what my experience was of how you just told me, um, and where I have questions. If that would be helpful. Oh yeah, please. Well, what I noticed when you first started, you blurted out the hard thing, which is fine because you're like, I'm going to tell you a hard thing. Here it is. I was diagnosed with autism. And then you went back and you said, in November 2020, my whole support system fell away and I realized I needed to get a diagnosis or talk to some people. Like, I didn't know Mm -hmm. if that was going on to be the hard thing. Do you know what I mean? So narratively, what you're telling me is that I have a narrative issue. Well, uh, I'm telling you. I have it, a timing. I have a narrative uh, sequ- sequencing issue. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. So right off the bat, I'm crushing it. Well done me. I kept going, telling Anna about my inability to background certain sensory experiences and how much effort it takes to appear like a regular old person. As someone who cares about you, and I'm not your family, but I delight in you and have long considered you a friend. It's interesting that what you're describing is both these things I know about you from knowing you well, you know, like Mm -hmm. that you are a boundary crosser in conversation. I love that shit. (laughs) That's why I like, that's why we became friends, I think. Right, Um, Right. But what's new to me, like what you're expressing about the amount of energy and stress that you feel from something that catches your attention that you wish you could background and can't, or the amount of energy you have to put into seeming comfortable when you're not, that makes me think, oh, this is like a new way that I'm understanding Lauren, which is that like maybe she was having a harder time than I knew when we were together. And um, I think the thing that I think about with disclosing anything hard to people who love you, there's this thing that happens where you're saying, I have this name for something that is part of me that we haven't previously had. And it might be a name that you don't totally understand what it means, but also I'm gonna tell you, you know, some things, some ways I was experiencing things that maybe you weren't aware that I was having a hard time or suffering and you didn't know. But Anna said having a name for something can compound the challenge of telling people. Like, the big hard news is I have this name for something about myself that we didn't previously have. Mm-hmm. And and it's a name that brings up a lot of associations that, like, will raise questions for you. And right. 
then the conversation is like going to get confused because there's like these two paths. There's this like, let me explain what being autistic means. Let me explain Mm -hmm. what it means to be an autistic woman. And then there's this other thing, which is like, I also want to tell you about how I now understand myself and how I've moved through the world slightly differently, like, which is not a Wikipedia page. This is you personally disclosing. Right. Right. I do feel as a reporter or as a person who is a conduit for information, I feel like it's very easy to fall back into that mm-hmm. and be like in reporter mode, like this is what it is, the blah, 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 like the who, what, when, where, why kind of situation, and then sort of skip over the part where it's like, yeah, I've actually been having a hard time for like 43 years. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, and you're just like, okay, I told you, like, job's done. Like, here's some links. Bye. (laughs) There has got to be an easy way to just like bing, bang, boom this. I There's this book that I love and I just want to hand it out to everybody. And it's like 40 some pages. And it's this really lovely graphic novel that's just about women and autism. Mm. And it's perfect. I'm like, "Eh, read this. Eh, If you have any questions, email me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you can't do that, can you? Um, You can't just give somebody a pamphlet and say, like, figure it out yourself, you know? Well, you can give them the book, but it's it's not one and done. Like that's the thing about I think the thing that is can be really comforting when you're thinking about I have to start a hard conversation or disclose a hard thing is like you're not gonna get it all done in one conversation. Um like <laughs> no. you can't. Oh no. what? <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Oh, so many things to think about. Vulnerability is not fun. But I told Anna about my diagnosis and it went well. I mean, if there was ever a good person to role play hard stuff with, it's her. Plus, she gave me some good advice. Our chat primed the pump. What really did it for me, though, was this one line from Anna's book. If I may uh, quote a young American writer, Anna Sale, uh, part of what is so hard about identity conversations is they are at once deeply personal and sweeping in their scope. And that's the hard thing, isn't it? It's like, I can do the sweeping. Mm -hmm. It's the personal part of it that actually feels like really hard. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't something Anna could help me with. Also, when I asked her if she could just call up my people and tell them for me, she said no. Excuse me, that is extremely uncharitable of her. So, I was on my own. After the break, disclosure time. Well, kind of. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, 
Each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank, NA member, FDIC, copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody, rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. It was time to start letting folks into my reality. The stakes seemed too high to tell my family just yet, so I figured I'd start with the low-hanging fruit, friends who had known me for a long time or were equally weird. That seemed safe enough, and like, if I screwed up, who cares? So, not long after my diagnosis, I called up my friend Molly and asked her if we could go for a walk in her neighborhood. I don't know if I told you this, but I was getting an autism evaluation, or I have been, Okay. Did I tell you that? No. You're like, no. Oh, I think I'd remember that. Right. Okay. Pretty sure I'm killing it. So I've been talking about it with my therapist for a long time. Uh-huh. And then, but I could never like pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, and so but I. But what's the point? Because when I asked my therapist if like, hey, I might be autistic. He's like, yeah, you might be. You Like... You might be somewhere on the spectrum. Like, that That would make sense. Molly and I have always said we share a brain. So if I was diagnosed, Molly wondered what that meant for her, which I think the answer is nothing much. What is finding out? What does that do for you? That's a really good question. Here's how I would describe it. Um, let's say that you have a series of symptoms, uh, physical symptoms. Yeah. You get headaches all the time. You're tired. Yeah. Your back hurts. Yeah. You're trying to figure out if all these, this collection of things is related. Right. And if so, what's the name for it? Actually, I might be doing an okay job here. I guess, though, that I think of it as like, okay, like dyslexia, right? Like, you have all these problems in class or something, and then, you know, finally, it's like, oh, well, I have dyslexia. But then... There are, there are treatments and there's ways to, to deal with that and work around it. Is the same, and I don't know, is the same thing true of, you know, somewhere on the spectrum autism? I think that it's like a framework for understanding kind of like your whole fucking life and all of your challenges. And just like, it seems to me that a collection of challenges that 
involve social issues, sensory issues, relational issues, especially when you're a woman, it's very isolating. Yeah. And so is there a way to feel less isolated? Am I so good at this? I think I might be. So anyway, yeah, so I'm autistic apparently. Okay, well... It doesn't change the way I view you. Oh, thanks. I kind of knew you were a bit of a crackpot. Oh. Because <laughs> it's like looking in the mirror. <laughs> so Molly was kind and lovely and had lots of good questions. But it felt good to unburden myself and have the feeling like, yeah, I got this. I'd rate my performance an 8 out of 10. Give myself a little headroom to improve. Next up, I Zoomed with my pals Laura and Megan, but I forgot to press record, so I didn't capture the actual moment of revelation. Megan kindly offered a redo. If you want to start it over, we can go, (gasps) at every single stage. I don't think that's quite necessary. Um, Yeah, the oohs and ahs, though they were quite good. They were good. Then we just started talking about cucumbers, as you do after any intense conversation. This this particular cucumber is not as good as the other ones. Is there anything on it? Is it mm. a little hummus? Mm-mm. Himalayan sea salt. Oh, look at you, classy bitch. <laughs> but we weren't just goofing. We got into it. I told them all about masking and how hard it is to constantly camouflage your anxiety or weirdness or stimming or whatever. Do you feel like having the diagnosis will allow you to give yourself permission to not have to mask and to just like do things that are comforting or just to like lean in and like let go of some of like, because it sounds like the mostly exhausting part is like the masking part, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I don't know. There are ways you can take control over the anxiety by acting a particular way or being in a particular way. And there are ways that you can show up that feel true to you that might not be your entire personality, but that also can make other people feel okay. And that's okay for me. Like, I like that. Like, I I like that I've kind of figured that out. And when I need to leave and go to my room or go to the bathroom 900 times, I will do that. Oh man, I am cruising at this point. Everyone gets it. Everyone is kind. Everyone is saying the right thing. This reveal gets a 9 out of 10. It would have gotten 10s across the board, but I was making weird chewing sounds while I was talking, so demerit for me. Next, I drove to Northern Virginia to take a walk with my friend Emily. I've known her since I was a little shit 23-year-old, so I knew she would be cool. In our 20 years of friendship, Emily supported me through big life stuff. Coming out, losing jobs, ending relationships, euthanizing dogs, and deciding what eyeglasses to buy. We're in the suburbs, so we're basically walking on a highway, which seems like the perfect place to talk about how I manage my anxiety so I don't have many meltdowns. Now I have, like, these weird coping mechanisms which are, like, you know, like... Do I have my lip balm? Do I have my eyeglasses cleaner? Like, do I always have water when I go on an airplane? Like, do I have all these things? If I don't have them, and now it's like when I travel, do I have Klonopin in my bag just in case? I never use it. Right, right, right. But it's like all of these things. And so it's like you build up these little, little, almost like ticks. 
fiddle. Yeah. I need to have it. I need to have it. Yeah. Right. Oh, and like obsessive compulsive. In a way, because there's, there, yeah, there's some crossovers. No. To go to 7-Eleven so I can get marshmallows. Girl, no. Are you kidding me? Who even knew there was a 7-Eleven around you? Do you think that? To walk to Wait, really? In this wasteland. This is my ideal disclosure scenario. We talk a little about autism, and then we go to the 7-Eleven to get marshmallows. It's really hitting all of my buttons. Easy 10 out of 10. At that point, a few months out from my diagnosis, I felt like I was starting to get my sea legs under me in terms of talking to friends. But while I'd been doing a pretty okay job articulating my reality and fielding questions, I was far from understanding everything. By telling friends who already knew a lot of my shit, I had the illusion of control. I could guess which questions they would ask and what their reactions would be to my answers. And even if they didn't quite get it, I could count on them working hard to understand. So, enter stage left, a false sense of security, and its best friend, cockiness. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, N.A. member, FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I was starting to feel pleased with myself and wanted to tell more folks beyond the inner sanctum. I started to feel like I was keeping a secret and I just wanted to live my truth. And my truth is that I'm an autistic woman who loves to watch fail videos and YouTube makeup tutorials. While I was committed to broadening the circle of people I told, I was anxious I wouldn't get the response I wanted. 
Even before I got tested, I told a few people that I was thinking about it, and they basically laughed in my face. Like, girl, there's no way you're autistic. So I didn't want a repeat of being vulnerable and then having that plop back in my lap. When it was safe to do indoor hangs, because we were all vaxxed to the max, some friends had a Shabbat dinner. After dinner, everyone went around the table and one at a time talked about how their pandemic had been. Folks explained that they got more into their DJing or bought a house or did some serious soul searching. When it was my turn, I decided on the fly that I would reveal my diagnosis. I hit record on my phone's voice memo app and quickly thought about Anna Sale's approach. Tell them I had been struggling for a while, describe what the struggle was about, and then tell them about the diagnosis. And then, once all that was out of the way, explain what autism is and then pat myself on the back for a job well done. Except here's how it actually went. Yeah, where I'm at. Okay. Um, uh, In November 2020, I was diagnosed with autism. And I don't really talk about it, um, but I'm doing a podcast about it. Uh, And so that is a thing that I've been dealing with since November 2020. My voice was shaking. I couldn't make eye contact. I was so nervous, not least because the dinner was composed mostly of gorgeous gay men. And do you even know what it's like to have a dozen painfully attractive gentlemen staring at you while you're saying a hard thing? I promise it will make you sweat. Um, Also, I had to put my dog down. And also I lost my job. But then I got a new job and then I got another new job. And now I have too many jobs. But also, uh, <laughs> but so, and a, dog. and a new dog, and Hannah moved to the neighborhood, and that is amazing because we walk back and forth to each other's houses two blocks 15 times a day, um, and we have a feral cat that follows us between the houses, <laughs> so that's pretty cute. Um, have you named it? It actually already came with three names, Socks, Hugo, and Cairo, so we couldn't oh. name it. It depends on where on the block you are. Okay. It's gotten different names every place. Got it. Um, Listening to this now, I'm embarrassed for myself. I didn't follow any of Anna's guidance, and I was just dancing around my truth. Um, You know, so, so, yeah. So, um, keep your ears open. Oh, my God. Truly the most mortifying. I basically ended my declaration with a plug for my podcast. Like, do I even know how to be vulnerable without being maximally awkward? Now, you can imagine, I'm sweating my tees off, desperately trying to reel this lead balloon back in. I mean, it's like, regret, regret, regret. I couldn't meet any of their eyes. I was like a comedian who totally bombed. Finally, after what felt like the longest silence in the world, one of the boys made a joke about vulnerability that broke the tension. Not vulnerable enough. I think you should have gone more though. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> then another asked what my podcast was called. Then I wrapped it all up with a comment about wiretapping laws. Anyway. Oh, I recorded this. Is that okay? <laughs> what? That's true. That's true. I didn't need to tell you, but I did. So anyway, thank you. I'm I'm not I I'm not, I'm not like I don't Ugh, talk about barf. It. So bad, so awkward, so sweaty. But for real, I was super embarrassed. I wish that it had gone better, and I wish that I had been able to invite more discussion. 
or even a question or two about autism. When I got home, I recorded a little audio diary of how I was feeling. Okay, so it's 1.47 a.m. I just got back from queer Shabbat with just like me and Hannah and like all the boys and lots of boys and we're the only girls there. And I was so exhausted when I got home, but reliving what just happened got me all jacked up. I don't know what kind of reaction to expect. Um, I honestly don't. I kind of think that this is why I feel like I have imposter syndrome where people are like, in their minds, they're like, yeah, right. You know, like, you don't seem like an autistic person to me, you know, but it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'm not Rain Man or I'm not like the guy from Big Bang Theory or whatever. Okay, yes, I'm doing a lot of projecting, but this shit is hard. I know it's going to feel bad at times because we have so few collective touchstones for what autism actually is. And whatever cultural references we do have of autism, I don't fit them. So I can't really blame people if they don't get it. But there was one person in my life who I knew would get it. I mean, like, really get it, not just being nice get it. My girlfriend's 19-year-old son, Jacob, was diagnosed with autism about a decade ago. If you remember a couple episodes back, Jacob's first words were, now available on DVD. So he knows a little something about being misunderstood. I figured that by telling Jacob, there would be at least one person in my life who knew what I meant. I didn't have to explain to him what autism was or the ways my brain functioned differently. Now, Jacob isn't a big talker, and he isn't much into heart-to-hearts. He's mostly into playing games on his phone and chatting on Discord. So the timing of our talk had to be just right. He had to be open and engaged and ready to listen. And really, for any teenager, that's a tall order. But one day, some months after my diagnosis, the timing was perfect, even if the venue, a busted-ass Subaru Outback, wasn't. And so it was that on a highway driving back from Richmond, Virginia, I poured my heart out to the only other autistic person I knew, a teen boy. Jacob, do you know when when you said um, there are no autistic women and you were like, haha, lol, I'm joking? Yeah, but did I sound like I wasn't joking? No, 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 no. You sounded like you were joking. Um, But um, I... Then my recorder cut out right when I told him I was autistic. Super profesh. So allow me to do a little reenactment for you. Lauren says, nervous and a bit tongue-tied, I'm autistic. Jacob answers, uh, yeah, I figured. Lauren, taken aback by Jacob's bluntness, responds, wait, why did you figure I was autistic? Jacob explained that an autism diagnosis made sense for me because I am very loud. Now, I couldn't argue with that, but I was still surprised. Hannah pulled up the rear with some questions after I loaded up the recorder with fresh batteries. Why is loudness? Why just it's not necessarily loudness so much as some sort of being tone deaf to the situation, hmm. uh, which is one of the things I have felt the most 
When I was from like every from since I got my diagnosis. Like what? What do you mean by that? Or elaborate a little. You bit. know, you know how I had the problem of playing rhythm game in public spaces, like in faces where I wasn't supposed to for a while, and then slowed down with that. Mm. Things like that. Mm. So, so my loudness in public spaces is like, like not like reading the room. Yeah. To a degree. Yeah. Okay. I think that's not obviously I'm not like a clinician. I can't like use that as a for sure thing, but right. No, I think that's accurate. So I think one reason why like trying to get a diagnosis was hard or where I was reluctant to do it is because I kind of float a test balloon to people. You know, like, "Oh, I'm thinking about this." And they're like, "You autistic? What?" No, because one, people don't know what it is. And two, they have this notion of, like, people who are, like, extremely socially awkward who don't communicate well. And, obviously, I communicate professionally. Yeah. You know? Because, so, obviously... I'm curious what Jacob thinks about that first thing you said that wait, people what? would say to Lauren, like, you, no way. Why do you think people re- react? I don't that? know. I would have thought they would have caught on pretty quickly, but I think that's... <laughs> I mean, obviously... No, I love it. It I makes me so because happy. because I have spent a lot of time with autistic people. It's true. And, and, like, know the experience that I would be better at spotting it. Right. But, I don't know, maybe other people just don't know enough, I would say. It's true. People don't know enough. Which is why it was so refreshing to talk to Jacob. And maybe why it might have been refreshing for him to talk to me, too. Jacob has two non-autistic siblings, and neither of his parents are autistic. It's hard for him to connect with folks, and he mostly keeps himself to himself. So, if nothing else, I'm an adjacent adult in his life who gets it because I've lived it, or at least my version of it. During our chat, Jacob described how troubled he was that he didn't seem to have any emotions about his older sister going away to college. I had, like, no feeling over it. I was not emotional over it. And, like... I don't know what I was supposed to do there, like, because... Mm-hmm. So my entire life I've been thinking, like, what if I don't? What if, what if I am, like, a sociopath? And I know I'm not, but, like... There's just too many instances of it, like... Like, people, like, having the idea that I'm some sort of robot, like... It's hot, It's really not easy to think about, ever. And, like, every... Like, the thing I'm going to have to work on the most is seeing seeing whether I either can just fake it or learn what it actually means. That's Sorry. Really Sorry if that didn't make any sense. No, it does. Oh, my God. And that's so profound. And I, I think I understand what you're saying. It's like, you were led to believe by everyone around you that there's something wrong with you because everybody's sad that Noah's leaving and you're not sad. Or you don't feel what you think you should be feeling. And that makes you feel like there's something wrong with you. So, um, honestly, Jacob, like I can a thousand percent relate to. So when people say that they're like, don't you miss me? Like if they go away, do do you miss me in my mind? I'm like, I don't, I I don't, I don't miss you. And it's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't care about you. It's because I don't miss you. Then, Hannah asked Jacob if when he went off to college himself, he would miss his little brother. Yes, but, like, I can't, I can't... 
Huntington knows, like, after I go to college, I'll, I'll still be able to keep texting him. I'll just, like, not do it. I'll probably forget or something. I need to remind myself constantly of that. Uh-huh. And it's like, I'm kind of, it's not, they, I'm not supposed to be doing that, like, no, there's not any supposed to. What do you mean? What What makes you cry? Why does that make you sad, honestly? Because you feel like there's something wrong with you. Yes. You don't immediately think to text him. Always. Uh-huh. Yes. You think your feeling is like, what's wrong with me that I, like, does this mean I'm a bad person? Yeah. Or I don't that, like my that's, brother? That's always been it. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, Jacob, like, I feel very emotional listening to you right now because, like, the idea that, like, you feel like there's something wrong with you or that you're bad is, like... Like, that actually breaks my heart because, one, I've experienced that myself, and that was, like, I'm 42 years old, and, like, that was the message that I got, and it takes a really long time to unwind that, and so, like, I don't want you to think that, like, you're bad or wrong because of small things like that, because one thing I know for certain is that your brother knows that you love him, and your parents know that you love them, and your sister knows that you love her in in the ways that you show it, and just because you don't show it in a typical way, or you don't do things in a typical way, it does not mean for one second that you're bad or wrong and I want you to know that about yourself and whatever messaging you've gotten that, that your way of doing things is the bad way is incorrect as we drove I found myself feeling so protective of Jacob how dare anyone suggest that his way of moving through the world was wrong Here's a smart, caring young person who bakes killer bread and cracks the best jokes. So what if he finds eye contact challenging or is constantly misplacing or breaking his glasses? Who cares if he's terminally literal or annoys the living hell out of us with his video games? Here is a good kid with a moral heart who's been getting the message for years that there's something wrong with him. Uh Uh-uh, we need to do better. Thank you guys. No, thank you. Thank you for... Do you guys have tissue anymore? Do you want to use a face mask? That was that was for us. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have a handkerchief. Let me get it. Oops. Here you go, sweetie. And that was it. The curtain fell... We all wiped our eyes and noses and moved on. Jacob played games on his phone, and Hannah and I sat in silence. And in that brief moment, everyone had what they needed. The car conversation made me realize that I want so much for Jacob to inhabit a world where he never believes, not for one second, that he's deficient. Where no one thinks he's a robot or that he doesn't have emotions where he is accepted and understood for exactly who he is. The world I want for Jacob is also a world where, even if he, say, occasionally wears his pants inside out, or forgets to trim his neck hair, or skips down the street for no reason, he is still embraced. Not in spite of his quirks, but because of them. A world that is good for Jacob is also a world that's good for me. And it's good for so many others who veer from the norm. In my fantasy land, Jacob gets to be whoever he needs to be, and so do I, and so do you. So, in the next episode, I build that world for myself. A cilantro-free land where I never feel awkward, 
I always feel loved, and I can be as loud as I want. You've been listening to The Loudest Girl in the World. It's hosted, written, and executive produced by me, Lauren Ober. Our senior producer is Ryder Alsop. Our associate producer is David Ja. Sophie Crane is our showrunner and senior editor. Jake Gorski is our mix engineer. Music composed by my autistic Kiwi pal, the inimitable Ladyhawk. Our artwork was created by the autistic illustrator Loretta Ipsum. The show was fact-checked by Andrea Lopez Cruzado, and our autism consultant is Sarah Caput. Our executive producers are Mia Lobel and Lital Molad. Thanks to my lovely pal, Carter Hughley, for taking a trip down memory lane with me. Also, thanks to Molly Harris, Megan Reed, Laura Starcheski, and Emily Veselin for being such good listeners. Shout out to the painfully handsome crew at Queer Shabbat. Also, big love to my buddy, Anna Sale, for all the good advice. You can get her book, Let's Talk About Hard Things, anywhere fine books are sold. To Jacob, thank you for saying yes. And thanks to you, friend, for listening. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.